Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues slash Godfather and Gorney podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined by Mike Farrell. Mike, it's a crossover event. The people have spoken. They want to see me and you on a podcast. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what they want. Well, <laughs> they're going to get, we're going to probably tick off a lot of people. So uh, I don't know where you want to start, positive or negative. You let me know. You're going to tick off a lot of people. I'm, I'm not controversial. You know me. Talk about stuff. You're going to agree with on some things and uh, listen there's nothing we can do i mean it, it's not our fault florida state's down it's not our fault ucf lost it's not our fault auburn's defense was overrated you know on and on and on it's not our fault we get okay. blamed it's not our fault. <laughs> all right so let's start in the big 12 texas lost uh that i mean they should have lost last week, too. So, I mean, where are we at in the Tom Herman experience? I know you like to put people on the hot seat, but, I mean, at, at what point do we start to get worried? This is, I think I saw this as at least his fifth loss against an unranked team when they were ranked and favored. So, I mean, what, what's going on? Yeah, he's got to be on the hot seat. I mean, you know, everybody says with, with COVID and the pandemic that coaches are going to get more of a free ride than before. Um that's not the case, I don't think. I mean, if they continue to struggle, um, if they aren't, you know, a, a contender for the Big 12 title or the playoff, uh, and right now, had they lost that Texas Tech game, which they should have, they'd be pretty much eliminated from everything right now. Um, you know, then, then something's got to change. And I was a big Tom Herman supporter. I thought he was a good hire for Texas, a uh, good replacement for Charlie Strong. And... It just, that team doesn't seem to be buying in. I mean, you see kids quitting the team. You see kids jumping in the portal. Um, and, and you also see that there's really been no great improvement with the two new coordinators on offense or defense. Um, you've got a team that can make a run with Elliger. Uh, but I think Tom Herman's in big trouble. I think, that, you know, he has to win out. Um, not saying he's going to get fired if he doesn't win out, but if he loses, say he stumbles down the line and they lose to Iowa State near the end of the season, you know, and they finish with two losses and they don't have a chance to win the Big 12. What, what are they going to do? Well, I mean, that's the issue, though, is like how many coaches can they cycle through here? I mean, I know it's only been a few years, but it's like I just don't get what the problem is. You, you've, like you said, they fired the whole defensive staff. The new staff comes in They're Like you said, you know, we had B.J. Foster quit the team briefly and come back. They had Kenyatta Watson say he's transferring. I mean, this is – it's an issue, right, when you're losing – whether these guys live up to their rankings or not, you're talking about talent leaving the program on a regular basis. And it's – it's honestly, it's not a hard job. That's the biggest thing. It's – tremendous facilities. You've got tremendous tradition and history. You're the big dog in the Big 12. You know, uh, I did an article, series of articles on kids that left the state for each power state. And when you look at the, the 2017 class alone uh, of the kids they lost, uh, <laughs> it's just amazing. I mean, they were talking about first rounders like Jeff Okuda. Um, you're talking CeeDee Lamb, uh, Marvin Wilson, of course. But everybody says, well, that's, that's Houston Episcopal. They were never going to get him doesn't matter. I mean, these, these kids are in-state kids. They shouldn't be getting away. And it continues to happen. And Herman, 
you know, was known as a great recruiter at Ohio State, and Ohio State's been the one that's stolen most of the talent, J.K. Dobbins and some others. So it's not a difficult job to recruit the talent uh, or to win in the Big 12, and, and nobody can seem to get it done. Charlie Strong doesn't count because it was a bad fit. You, t- you took a Southeast coach and you put him in the Big 12. He had no connections, and he tried to recruit the Southeast. But Tom Herman, I mean, he's the guy who – helped go get JT Barrett and guys like that in Texas. This was a fit. And for some reason, he's just not getting it done. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But it's not like, I mean, I know the Big 12 has some good teams, but it should be between them and Oklahoma every year. Uh, and we can, we can kind of transition now if you want to talk about Oklahoma. Uh, you know, I trolled you a little bit on Twitter. <laughs> got, yeah. a, got a good reaction. Did you see it? A lot of people enjoyed my response. So Of course they did. Well, but, it was a dumb question. The question was, can someone explain to me how they're one and two? And then all these idiots like you, because they, they gave up more points than they scored or whatever. You know, what, my thing is with the talent discrepancy between Texas and Oklahoma and the rest of the Big 12, how do you lose to Kansas State and Iowa State back-to-back if you're Oklahoma? How is that possible? New quarterback, yeah. So, you know, running game, lost, you know, a couple guys. He plug and play at Oklahoma, and he should beat these teams handily. And, again, the defense is not uh, timely. And one and two is embarrassing. I could see one and two if, you you know, this was a regular season and, and your first game was at Ohio State. And then you get tripped up in your third game. But these are not opponents you should be losing to. And, and this is no disrespect towards Kansas State and Iowa State. Um, Iowa State's probably the sleeper in, in the conference right now with two good wins. No, uh, okay, please, let's not start it. They lost to Louisiana. Okay? I know. They beat Iowa State. Oh. I mean, Iowa State, they beat um, uh, TCU. And now they beat Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, who who is Oklahoma State? I mean, the whole conference is not good. That's a sorry, Big Twelve. I got news for you. The Big Twelve should be. You know how every year after one week we eliminate the Pac-12 from the playoff. The Big Twelve is eliminated, in my opinion. Probably so, unless Oklahoma State runs the table. Probably so. Right. I would take one loss, Georgia or Alabama or who. I'd take two SEC teams. I might take seven and zero USC or Oregon, you know, over any of these one. Because I mean, Oklahoma's out. They're not two loss. Oklahoma's not getting in. The playoff dream is over for them. Um, yeah, no, it's so. over. It's over. It started, and and they're going to take two from the SEC. We know that. They'll take none from the Pac-12, and they'll take, um, you know, they might take two from the. I mean, one from the ACC, one from the Big Ten, and there's your playoff there. So, I get but, it. You, right off Oklahoma State yet because they could run the table, but the Big 12, and it's consistently the same thing. It's, it's defense. Well, right. So how is, you know, we saw a lot of talk. Oh, Oklahoma's fast defense, and we know that their defensive coordinator, I mean, he's done good elsewhere. Their secondary is, I think they had like a combined 90 starts. I mean, why can't they get any better? I just don't get, like, they should have won that game. They should have won the last game against Kansas State. They had multi-score leads. Uh, the game the other night, they scored, and I was like, oh, they're going to pull away. I changed the channel. I came back, and they'd given up two touchdowns, and we're losing. So, I mean, it's just uh, like, the answer. You know, a thousand times, how do they keep recruiting, you know, four and five stars on defense and not developing? 
you know, and, and for every Kenneth Murray, there's uh, a bookie Radley Isles who just doesn't develop and doesn't live up to what you expect him to do. And I, I don't have a solution for it. I, I, my guess it's, and I'm not at practice, but it's gotta be the way they practice. Um, you know, I know they're not, I know they're not hitting and all that other stuff, but there's a, there's a lack of spatial recognition. There's a lack of tackling form. There's a lack of physicality. Um, you know, offensively, they, they have looked smooth as can be the last few years, but defensively. So my guess is, you know, they're, they're practicing against an elite spread out offense. And if you throw any wrinkles at them, they're dead. But you would think that would help them in the past game, at least. Covering right. Game. Like we're talking like you have guys that should project as like NFL guys in the secondary. I mean, you can say that we missed on Radley Hiles, who was a, who was a five-star uh, and has been basically awful. I mean, last year, I think he got benched toward the end of the year. Uh, and he's, I was hoping for like a redemption year, but I mean, you know, the other night he got at least two pass interferences that I saw. And I mean, you'd at least think he could like play the nickel and come up and hit people. I mean, I just don't, it's to me, yeah. it's, I'm not like a big 12 hater, but I mean, it's hard. Well, you know how physical he is too. I mean, that's the thing. So where did that go? Yeah. Is that I coached out? I mean, he reminded me of Jamal Adams, you know, the way he played football. And then he goes off and he's uh, certainly as far away from Jamal Adams as possible. Um, and I know you're talking different positions and stuff, but undersized thumper who can cover. Um, and then we get this. So it's got to be a coaching issue. I mean, it can't be a <clears> – <throat> and everybody will say, well, you guys, you know, overrank them and all this other stuff. Maybe we do. I don't know. But, again, we're not out there coaching them and teaching them how to tackle them. It's just not happening. It's the whole Big 12, though. It's not just them. Right. Right. It's a, it's a major <laughs> – it's a major issue. Uh, all right, moving on. Let's talk about Auburn. Uh, they just got smoked. I mean, I, I came in thinking – I expected Georgia to win, but I was thinking we were looking at like a 19-16 type of game, you know, like a slugfest. I mean, and it became clear pretty early that Georgia just was going to, you know, steamroll them. I mean, that game was never even really in doubt. Yeah, I, I predicted Auburn to win, so that shows how much I know. <laughs> Um, I really like their defense going in and their defense looked horrible. And yeah, they lost Smoke Monday. Uh, KJ Britt was banged up, but <clears throat> you know, I thought with the depth of talent they had that they could replace Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson and, you know, get a pass rush and, and beat up a walk on back and stop a run game that didn't good in the first game. That offensive line just did whatever they wanted with them, moved them around. It was an embarrassing performance. There was no solution on offense whatsoever except for Tank Bigsby, who is going to be a star. I mean, man, they fed him the ball in the passing game and running, and he's he's going to be good. But Bo Nix looked like he was running for his life every second. He looked inconsistent and accurate, and he, he's like Stidham in that way, I guess. If you get pressure on him, he's going to struggle, um, and their offensive line looks just horrible. So I really bought in on Auburn, and that's my fault. Well, we were, you know, talking when we were doing the transfer rankings when they went and got the, the transfer offensive lineman, Brandon Council, and you were like, oh, he's going to, you know, step in and be whatever. But, I mean, 
And I had said, like, he didn't even grade out that well <laughs> at Akron or wherever he came from, I think. I think it was Akron uh, or Kent State or something. I mean, that's not a good sign in the SEC when you have to go find people from the MAC uh, to come and play, right? I lost your video there. There we go. It's back. It's not a good sign. <clears throat> this is a problem when you do Zooms on your phone. Uh, people call you and it's all spam, crap, trying to sell you stuff from different numbers and it just takes up your screen. So anyway, sorry about that. Uh, they'll probably call back to trying to sell me some windows or something. Um, anyway, Auburn, yeah. offensive line. They're, 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 they're replacing both of their lines basically and it just wasn't, it was, was not pretty. No, and, and he looked out of place. Um, and that defense of Georgia is really special. You know, uh, that's why the, the Georgia-Florida game is going to be very interesting because Florida's defense doesn't look that great, but their offense looks awesome. So that's going to be a, a, an epic battle there. And, you know, that defense really stepped up and, and carried them in that game. And, and if they can run the football, you're not going to beat Georgia um, because – that allows them to play into their strengths. And, and they've got a couple guys stepping up at wide receiver. Obviously, Pickens is a great player. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought Auburn was ready prime. I was very, very wrong. All right, let's talk about Georgia. So, the quarterback situation. Uh, the, the, the Georgia fan base seems ready to give Stetson Bennett the Heisman. Are you sold that he's going to be the guy. I mean, he obviously played well in these two games. So, I mean, do they, do they let Daniels heal more? Does Daniels just sit? I mean, what happens? You know, I think right now the job is his and he deserves it. Um, JT Daniels was activated last week, but from what I was told, he was not mobile and not able to move around much and, and escape pressure. So I think they're going to go slow with him and see how this kid continues to play. And like I said, if they run, it's going to make it easier on them. Uh, and they do have, I mean, Ken, Kendall Milton looked really good as a true freshman. You got Zamir White. I mean, McIntosh, they've got a loaded backfield as always. Um, the offensive line is coming around. I think he's the starter till the end of the year. I mean, will he lead them to a national title or the playoff? I don't know. I mean, I really don't know a ton about the kid. Um, you know, he wasn't on his recruiting radar that much. And, you know, but, I mean, let's put it this way. Some unknown quarterback out of high school is going to win the SEC East because it's either going to be him or Trask. And Trask was a career backup. So maybe we should just stop assigning five stars to quarterbacks and just give everybody two stars and they'll play better. Because, you know, I was the one who made Mond a five-star, and he's, again, disappointing me. And Bo Nix you know, we kind of came to consensus that he was a five-star and, you know, not writing him off yet, but he, he didn't look like the better quarterback. No, he, he definitely didn't. Uh, you mentioned George's defense. I saw Chris Fowler tweet, George's no-name defense. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> how many five-stars do we have on that no-name defense? At least three, right? I mean, what are we, what are we talking about? He's like, they're not on draft boards. It's like, what do you mean they're not? Okay, so Tyson Campbell and Richard LeCount are potential first-round picks. And then you've got, you know, Adam Anderson and you've got a couple of other younger guys, uh, Eric Stokes, the other DB. Yep. Got, what's Fowler talking about? No name they're defense. On, they're on draft boards. And Aziz Ojolari is just a freak. He's awesome. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot him. And, and you know, and LeCount, I, I 
don't feel that was targeting and I feel bad for him because he's such a physical player and that's your guy, you know, he was undersized and I was sort of like, he's too small and, you know, he's not, shouldn't be as rated as high as he is. And he's just a, he's a guided missile out there, but you know, with targeting, unfortunately, he's going to get called on that a lot because that's, that's how he tackles. But um, there's just no way to tell where an opponent's going to be when you come flying that fast. And that's why I don't like the disqualification for the targeting rule. But this is, it's not a no-name defense. I think it's, there's nobody that really emerged as a top 10 pick. Um, you know, whereas last year on the offensive line, you could point to a couple guys and say, well, these guys are surefire first rounders. Um, that's not the case with the defense, but they're playing themselves into that territory. And Stokes was on the NFL radar, of course, potential first rounder. LeCount, potential first rounder. Um, Campbell's you know. going in the first round. I can tell you that right now. Mark that down on your Tyson camp. I said it the first time I saw him in high school. He was a first round pick. We had to push him up the charts, and I still think he is. He's got to stay healthy. That's the key, but he's a freak. And then, he shut down Seth Williams. I mean, we saw what Seth Williams can do to people. I mean. Yeah. Oh, no, he was blanketing Seth Williams. I mean, it wasn't even close. Um, there was zero separation there at all. So Nick's had like one second to throw the ball and no separation from his best wide receiver. And, you know, Campbell versus Sertain, you know, both being potential first rounders can be really interesting because obviously one got all the attention out of high school initially. And then people started saying Tyson Campbell's pretty good. Um, I agree with you. I think they're both going to be first rounders as long as Campbell stays healthy, um, you know, and as long as they run well. So that Georgia defense is, you know, arguably, the best in the country. I mean, it's right up there. And and if they play the way they did against Auburn, they're going to give every team a lot of trouble, including uh, Mac and, and Alabama. Okay, so so let's talk about Alabama. And this is a serious question. You're going to think I'm being facetious. Can Mac Jones win the Heisman Trophy? Yeah, he can. And again, you know, I felt Bryce Young would take this job. Um, but that offensive line is amazing. Max not making mistakes. He's accurate. Uh, he's got so many weapons. Yeah, he could put up crazy numbers and win the Heisman. Um, you know, seeing him out of high school, would I ever have thought that in a million years? No. But, but <laughs> I saw Burrow in high school, and I was like, ooh, ooh. You know, he's just average. You know, so some guys develop. Some guys have a lot of talent around them, and, and some guys do both. And you know, he's handed the keys to a Ferrari for sure. Um, and, and they wouldn't be playing better with Bryce Young. Um, Bryce still has a lot to learn, but I thought he would lose his job probably by the third or fourth game of the season, and that's not going to happen. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, Mac is playing. He threw an interception the other day, and I noticed he, some of his passes are getting knocked down, and the interception was like a tipped ball at the line. That's one thing I, I would be a little worried about, especially when you talk about them playing somebody like Georgia. But, I mean, those wide receivers, I mean, they that this John Michi guy, I don't know where he came from. I don't remember him at all as a recruit. I had to look him up. I was like, is this guy a, a, somebody for a Juco or whatever? But he was like a four-star athlete. I mean, do you, do you really remember him? Remember him a little bit, but obviously he was overshadowed by the Devonta Smiths and Jalen Waddles and every other star guy that went there. So there's certain guys that go to Alabama and you're like, hmm, we'll see. You know, I mean, he could have been a defensive player. Um, but this system, 
you also got to understand that you have to account for Devonta Smith and you have to account for Jalen Waddell. So somebody's definitely going to have single coverage. And, you know, if you can beat it, you're going to get the ball. Uh, my only concern about Mac is he underthrows balls. Um, you know, the tipping is a concern, but, you know, guys have to wait on it a little bit, even though Waddle, Waddle was so wide open. He had to wait for that ball, but he's so fast that he was able to run away from everybody. Um, you know, the long ball needs a little bit of work, but, you know, I'm, what are we doing? Picking on a kid who had 425 yards and four touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Tony, I don't know how to pronounce your name, Tony. I never will from, from uh, our Alabama site. Uh, but he's okay. been... Sukalas. I don't think Tony, Tony doesn't know how to pronounce his own name. So. Probably. He's, he's a Mac Jones guy. And, you know, every time Mac Jones does something, he hits me in my mentions. And I'm not rooting against Mac Jones. You and I both know that out of all the recruits over the last, like, seven, eight years, Mac Jones was one of our favorite. He's the nicest, funniest kid ever. And he waited his turn, and I hope he does have tremendous success. Uh, and, yeah, he could win the Heisman. Trask could win the Heisman. Um, we know a quarterback's going to win it. It's just it depends on who. What's Trevor. crazy is it, I noticed Mac had his SEC graduate uh, patch on his jersey because this year doesn't count. He's got like three years of eligibility left. So, I mean, he, he could yeah, win. I'll come back. This year doesn't count. So, my, my, my man Kellen Mond can come back for a 16th year if he wants to at Texas A&M and finally live up to that five-star. But you remember the funniest part about Mac is how much fun he used to make of other people, how, how, how cool and calm he was. Um, nothing rattled him, nothing worried him. He was just so laid back. And, you know, he had some of the best lines I've ever heard about other quarterbacks. It was just well, hilarious. <laughs> the famous one that we can't say on the podcast, that you probably don't even know this story, is, you know, he used to make some snarky remarks about Tua because uh, they were both committed at the same, <laughs> at the same time. So uh, there's one term that he used for Tua that, that gets used in my house, and I know Rob's house uses it, and a couple other people. So uh, it's a term he used to describe Tua one time. But <laughs> they're friends now. <laughs> he got tired of being asked the question, why, why are you sticking with Alabama when Tua's going there? You know, I mean, that question comes up over and over again. And, you know, you see some kids giving up early, uh, and you see some kids who really stick it out and wait their turn. And that's what, you know, Mac's doing and, and some others are doing and Joe Burrow did. And I mean, he didn't do it at Ohio State, but he, he did it at LSU and they're going to reap the rewards. Now, the question is, is he a first rounder? And of course, I don't think he is, but, you know, if he, he wins the Heisman, he's going to get, he's going to get a lot of looks. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's a first rounder, but I think Mac will play in the NFL. We ranked him high. I mean, you make it yeah. seem like he was a, you know, Tony wants to talk. I mean, he was 162 in the country. So, I mean, yeah. we're not. He was just the class, you know, and that's the thing. When you're the second quarterback in a class, nobody really pays attention or cares. You know, I don't think Tua was a first rounder. We'll find out if that's true or not, but he went fifth. So who knows? The, the NFL is so desperate for quarterbacks. Uh, there could be as many as five or six, you know, taken in the first round in April. Um, you know, we know Trevor, Justin Fields are going to go. Uh, we know Lance is going to go. And then after that, there's going to be two, I think. And, and just depends on who those two are and who falls in love with who. And, you know, when it's a chalk talk type of situation and smarts, Mac Jones is going to wow some people at the combine. 
All right, so let's talk about uh, Florida now. You mentioned it earlier with Kyle Trask, two star Kyle Trask. Yeah. I mean, the um, the amount of times we have to hear about it during the game. What? First of all, he's playing excellent. Okay, him and Pitts have an amazing connection. I mean, he just feeds Pitts the ball. Somebody somebody referenced that it was like a video game where you purposely try to run up one guy's stats. I mean. He, he's clearly targeting pits and it's working. And some of the other guys, Grimes looks great. Tony looks great. They're both clearly healthy. How much do you attribute? Like, are, are you on the Trask as the next, you know, kind of like Joe Burrow type guy? Or do you just think he's kind of feasting on, you know, some okay competition right now? Not sold yet about the Joe Burrow comparisons, but they were made, you know, especially by the Florida fan base last year when you talk about a guy who had a solid year but was coming back with experience with a lot more weapons around him that he could make that type of jump um you know it's early but he looks sharp and he looks in control he does have many more weapons than they're used to having fits his problem for everybody he's a big wide receiver who you know essentially will probably play that hybrid role you know, an Eric Ebron type uh, at the NFL level, and no one can cover him. You put a safety on him, he's too big. You put a uh, linebacker on him, forget it. And, you know, Trask has a lot of weapons. I think, though, you know, Burrow had more to work with. Um, so Trask is one of those guys that I'm looking at. Is, is he going to be one of those late first-round picks? Um, and, yes, he was a 5.32 star because he did start a game in high school. Garrett King was the guy uh, in high school. He backed him up. And again, it just speaks to Trask, too, because you know how many kids would move in with a fake uncle to get in a different district? I mean, that's just the way it worked. And he didn't do that. And and shout out to Nussmeyer, who saw something in him and offered him, because that looked like a massive reach at the time. Well, it, he was the second quarterback they took, right? I, I remember... Yeah the one that was supposed to win this job in that class right right i remember because i remember somebody referring to him as kyle trash you know like that was the somebody worked for us at the time actually but i mean good here's the thing they saw him throw at a camp and they offered him and they took him how were we supposed to like the, the you know mark jones who i like the announcer i mean how many times did he mention he was the 2,000th, 897th prospect? <laughs> Rankings don't matter. It's like, well, what are we supposed to do, Mark Jones? Rank him as a five-star kid who never played a game and didn't, didn't play a game in college until his third or fourth year? Like, what? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Listen, you know, he must have had a great workout, you know. And, again, we don't get to see behind the scenes. We get to see them throw. And that's right. it. We don't, you know, we're not sitting there going over plays and, and, you know, having them diagnose a playbook or having them memorize six plays and then throwing them, you know, through the motions on those six plays one minute after he learned them, you know, but for quarterbacks, stars are kind of, I mean, Russell Wilson's the best quarterback in the NFL right now. And he was a two star, you know, Mahomes was a three. Lamar Jackson was a four and, you know, Josh Rosen was a five. And, you know, there's just so many examples of guys that either got drafted high, didn't have success like Rosen, or just came on out of nowhere 
and weren't even supposed to get the job. Russell Wilson was not supposed to get the quarterback job at NC State. Absolutely not. Um, well, at Seattle. I mean, what we remember when they picked him, they had just signed uh, Matt yeah. Flynn or whatever. To a huge yeah, I had, I had a Matt Flynn jersey, actually. I picked it up at the opening uh, at the, uh, the store out there because it looked so cool. I didn't think he was good, but it looked so cool. But, yeah, Flynn was the guy. They threw all that money at him, and then they end up uh, Russell Wilson with the best, you know, being the best quarterback. So, listen, I, you know, I don't care. Um, you know, somebody just asked me that the other day at Florida. Fan. What did you have draft grades? I'm like, yeah, 5.32 star. And then I always say after that that he didn't start a game in high school. But, you know, you know we've had kids like Ryan Burns and, and Dorian Thompson Robinson and guys like that who have never started a football game and had, like, dozens of offers just based on camps. Um, but for someone to go through their entire high school football season, I mean, career, and not be a starter, I, I can't think of somebody in 23 years that's done that other than Trask. Right. It's Because a lot of the – well, the guys you're talking about are – guys who didn't start till their senior year, but then they still right. started. They didn't never play. I mean, it's crazy to think, but I guess, you know, he's behind the air king. There's, if, I still think, you know, you could say he, he did the good thing by staying. I still think now he wouldn't, even now, five, six years later, he wouldn't have done the same thing. He would have transferred. I mean, you have to. Yeah, the portal has um, changed things. You know, I, I do like the patience, though, and I'm, I'm glad to see kids that, that do wait their turn, uh, get an opportunity and, and take advantage of it. But, yeah, I mean, but but again, like I said, in high school, he would have found a cousin of a cousin. Well, that's what I mean, yeah, in high school. Yeah. I'm talking about in high school, I think. Oh, 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 definitely. I mean, well, even back then, though, it was happening. I, right. I just, I don't know what the family dynamic is or whatever, you know, but it all worked out for him and it's like a one in a million shot. So all you quarterbacks out there that have never started a varsity game and never will, who think you're going to be the next Kyle Trask, you're not. It has never happened before. And I don't think it's ever going to happen again. He's a, he's a unicorn people. Okay. All right. Next up, Florida state, a lot of glowing reviews. Did you watch the game against Jacksonville state? Cause I watched almost the entire thing. I flipped. Um, I did not watch the entire game. Okay. Um, and when they were down, of course, I was watching. And then, you know, when they were coming back, I was watching. But once it got out of hand, I wasn't really. They, they easily could have lost that game. Okay. Jacksonville State's players were dropping like flies with cramps and stuff like that. It was their first game of the year. They're only playing like three games this fall. I mean, Jordan Travis played well, but I mean, if you're a Florida State fan, uh, I I don't think you have any reason to be happy with having to come back to beat Jacksonville State. I mean, there's just like the bar is too low if that's the situation. Hey, they're showing progress. It's like no progress would have be winning fifty five to ten. Right. You know, like they're not very good at all. I just <laughs> how many games are they going to win? Do you think they win three games? think three at most. Um, yeah, I think two and a half is the over-under for the year. Yeah, went through their schedule, and I included the Jacksonville State game as a win, and then I came up with three, I believe. But, you know, I put them on the most disappointing teams list, and people are like, nothing was expected of Florida State. Well, you know what was expected of Florida State? That they wouldn't lose to Georgia Tech, who is right. – it's not a good football team. And they wouldn't lose by 800 million points to Miami. 
So that's what's expected. This is not a good football team. There's so many problems there. And this is going to be the serious question. They gave Taggart no time, right? He was fired in his second season, I believe. Yeah. Norvell's going to need four, right? Right. Are they going to give him that chance? And, and I don't think they will, unfortunately, you know? And, and was I happy when they fired Taggart? No. You know, I think that he probably should have gotten a better opportunity uh, and wasn't left with much after Jimbo. But you can't blame Jimbo on this. Jimbo was 100 years ago. This is just a team and a program that doesn't have guys that want to play and win other than a few leaders. You know, Marvin Wilson, he wants to win. He wants to play. We know his work ethic and his motor. But there aren't enough of those guys buying in. And, you know, Norvell comes with a different approach. And that's why, you know, these wide receivers – uh, you know, got upset. And that's why the team is a little bit divided from the start. And it's going to take a major rebuild and probably another coach for them to fix these things. And it, you know, it gets frustrating because when Miami was great and then Miami became very mediocre, everybody thought, oh, you love it because you hate Miami. A great Miami team is great for college football. And it's, it's really awesome. A great Florida State team is good for college football, and this is a horrible one. And I don't know how soon they're going to be back. And I take no joy in programs that are, you know, what, six years removed from a national title following this. I mean, this is just ridiculous. So I think a good comp is uh, Oregon. Okay, they played Oregon in that Rose Bowl. Uh, They got – that was sort of like – viewed as the beginning of the end right that was the game where Jameis was stumbling all over they were supposed to win they were big favorites they got blown out uh okay Oregon is in the national championship game two years later they were four and eight and Helfrich was fired right they bring in Taggart for one year he leaves for Florida State Cristobal comes in and they're immediately back to being, you know, the one of the best teams in their conference and a top 10 team, like they won the Rose Bowl in his second year. Norvell needs to show that type of progress, in my opinion. Next year, they need to be back to, if it's assuming it's a regular season, they need to win eight games next year. Like, I get that, that it's going to take a while to turn it around completely, but you can't, I mean, assuming that they go, you know, three and seven, I mean, or whatever, I mean, that's horrible for Florida State. And I don't care if you got to go get transfers or what you got to do, but I mean, you have to do something. And maybe when Purdy comes back, he's the answer, but you, it's not looking good to me when you watched him play, like you said, I mean, there's a lot of dead weight on the team. There's a lot of guys that I think are kind of like, you know, front runner type guys. And I just, I don't know, man, it reminds me of like, it just reminds me of the end of like Butch Jones at Tennessee. I mean, there's a lot of talent on that team, but, I just don't see it when you watch them play. Yeah, they're not buying in. It's been that way for a while. You know, it, it was that way, I think, the last season Jimbo was there. I think everybody on the team knew he was, you know, sort of giving up on him. And, um, you know, he sort of stopped recruiting. It was that way under Taggart. And, you know, I expect effort, at least. And I'm not saying that they're not trying, but they have no answer and, and they're frustrated and they're just, they're just not going to win many football games this year. And, you know, like I said, Norvell's going to be under tremendous pressure early because of how quickly they got rid of Taggart. 
that's it. So he better win next year. <laughs> it's right now it looks like they don't have a team to win next year uh, or else we'll be looking again at another coaching, coaching search. I'll tell you what, real quick before we move on. I really like the running back, the freshman running back, uh, Tufele, I think is his name. He's from Tampa area. Uh, in my opinion, he's their best running back. Got to give him some more, some more time. But I mean, I've watched basically, somehow I've watched like every snap of Florida State season. I don't know, I don't know how I've done it, but uh, anyway. I watched um, Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech was on when no one else was on. And then, you know, Miami, Florida State was the only really interesting game at that time too but i didn't watch jacksonville state that much there were other like real football games See, when when one of these train wreck games is happening i lock in i mean you know i've got four <laughs> screens here and i'm like okay uh you know tennessee st struggling with georgia state i'm watching the whole thing uh florida state is and i really like zara cooper the jacksonville state quarterback who i ranked really I, speaking of which like you know, he transferred before, you know, he, it was waiver time. He had to drop down a level to play right away. Now he would have immediately had a spot at a place like Florida State. So it's just kind of weird to see that. Uh, real quick, uh, the Pac-12 coming back, they're doing 9 a.m. kicks. Uh, I want to talk about this. I think it's ridiculous. Now, I, I guess it's good for us because we get to watch them at noon. But, I mean, I can't imagine what it's going to be like for the players to play a game at 9 o'clock in the morning. No, nobody wants to do that at all. Um, you know, you have your, your typical Pac-12 game day preparation, which you're used to, and now they're going to rush them out there. Um, you know, we know how sleepy West Coast kids are sometimes. You know, <laughs> we've seen it at camps. Where we have to fly. Okay, let's tell everybody, we have to fly them in a day early to acclimate to the time zone when we have camps and, like, all-star games. So – and they're the last we have to pull out of bed to get there <laughs> as well. So, listen, 9 a.m. start on the East Coast, it's not good. But on the West Coast, it's just it's a recipe for disaster. Um, I don't know why they're doing that. Did they explain the reasoning? Well, so they're trying to, you know, they're trying to leverage the TV money. But, I mean, none of this would have happened if Larry Scott wouldn't have botched the Pac-12 network so badly. And now they've laid off the whole staff at the Pac-12 Network, so they don't even know if they're going to be able to broadcast games, like, on their own channel. Larry Scott's got to go. I'm sorry. Look, Larry, I don't want to tell somebody to lose their job, especially considering how many people want me to lose my job on a weekly basis. Yeah, I hear you. But I, I don't like doing that either, but Kevin Warren and, and Larry Scott got to go. If, if you well, yeah, I don't. If you remember the old guy, I'm trying to remember his name. It was like Jim Hansen or something. He was like the you know, Mr. Protector of the Rose Bowl. Do you remember him, the old Pac-12 commissioner? Yeah. And when Larry Scott came in, it was like, man, this guy's a genius. Oh, he's going to modernize everything. And now, if you read the articles about the money, there, I mean, like Larry Scott got this huge bonus for himself, and then they laid off the entire staff at the at the Pac-12 Network. I mean. Come on, man. Like the president's got to do better out there to, to say, look, I mean, we need someone. This is you've got you've got Silicon Valley. You've got Hollywood like you, you've got Seattle. You're telling me there's not a smart CEO out there that can take over the Pac-12. I mean, USC is playing the first game at 9 a.m. USC is one of like the top five brands in all of college football, don't you think? Yeah, uh, even with, you know, the, the struggles they've had recently. Yeah, everybody knows USC and wants to watch them. 
why are they playing it? Oh, they play at 9 a.m. Like, come on, man. Like, they should be in prime time, like, basically every single game, as long as they're good. And I think they're going to be good this year. So, I'm got, Larry's got to go. I'm on the move. I'm on the move. They were supposed to get Texas, remember? I mean, oh, I remember. I bought pack16football.com, the URL. I was going to cash in and be a, be a millionaire. <laughs> I was going to be like, I was going to have Larry Scott money. Yeah, and that that's really been, you know, the not the beginning of the downfall, but a big part of the downfall. And, and maybe they don't think people won't be as interested in, you know, Pac-12 versus Pac-12 at night or so. I don't, I don't know what they think. I really don't. I'm, I'm not a West Coast guy. I never have been. Um, I don't know. I know how frustrating it is to to go through this process for a guy like Cristobal, who, who is. Uh, you know, he's an SEC type of mentality and uh, watching his team opt out and, and watching this postponement and the delay and now they're coming back. I mean, it's literally drives a person like that nuts. Right. They had a team that I think they thought like, hey, we'll be in the playoff mix. And next thing you know, you got five, six guys going to the NFL draft instead of playing because they're not sure if they even have, even if they win all their games, they're not sure if they have a chance to even make the playoffs. So. Right. They're still the best team, I think. But USC, I think, also had a really good chance of having a good team this year uh, and, and, you know, being competitive in those games against Notre Dame and Alabama. I really do believe that. There's so much talent. I don't believe in Clay Helton, you know, because I haven't seen the recruiting that I expect. Um, you know, for them to get guys in Texas and Florida is great, but it's not like what Pete Carroll used to do when he's getting Keith Rivers from from Florida and, 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 you know, going elsewhere to get the top kid in each state. Um, the West Coast kids are still leaving. And, but USC has a lot of roster talent for sure. So I thought either them or Oregon would, would make a push for the playoff. But now, even if they're seven or no, I think they're going to be left out. All right. I want to do this every week. Uh, Farrell's Heisman favorite. So who's on the top of your list right now? Just off the top of your head. Uh, top of my head, I mean – Obviously, Trevor's up there, and I know people are going to say, well, of course you have him up there. He's, you know, five-star and all that. He's just a, a, an amazing football player, and, you know, is, is they, they get criticized when they beat Virginia by that much, you know. So he's not going to put up the stats of everybody else, and that's the problem because he's not going to be in there as much. Um, right now, my front runner would be Trask. Um, wow. I think yeah, I think the two games that he put together are extremely impressive. Um, De'Eric King would be up there as well. Um, but we haven't seen Justin Fields play. And, and I'm not including running backs here because it, it, even in a regular season when a running back gets 2,000 yards, they, they get invited and then they never get picked. So in a shortened season, you know, Travis Etienne is not going to get that. Uh, Najee Harris isn't going to get that. Um, so I'm just looking at quarterbacks. It's not fair. And I think Mac Jones, if he continues to play the way he is, is up there too. Who am I missing? Uh, I don't know. I think that's a pretty good list. I mean, I, yeah, Elliger's done. Um, Rattler done. You know, Rattler was considered an early favorite when he threw for a thousand yards against a crappy football team. But you got to think quarterback on a team that could win the national title. And, uh, you know, th that's it. Well, and this. This week's going to be big, King against Lawrence. I mean, that will be a chance for Trevor to have, you know, the, one of the problems I think he has is they blow all these teams out and he's not putting up 
big numbers. This is a marquee game. This is going to be the one that everyone's talking about. And for King, too, I mean, if they beat Clemson, he'll jump to the top of the list because obviously he's going to be running all over the place and, and making plays. So, um, all right, another thing I wanted to do, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of do like a uh, Mike Farrell versus pro football focus type of situation. Uh, so who's someone that you love this season that's been playing well, and then we're going to compare him with his pro football focus grades? Oh, God. I can pick any position? Any position, any player. I'm going to look him up right now. This has we, – we, I didn't prep you on this or anything, so – I'm going to troll you then. Ready? Are you going to pick Trey Smith? I'm going to pick Trey Smith. <laughs> oh, man, you played. See, but here's the problem. You played right into my hand. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this was going to happen, so I'm Trey Smith. Okay, so Trey Smith, so far, if you had to guess his his offensive grade on the season, what where would you have it? Hmm. Letter grade. You're probably getting like an A, right? Probably be a B plus or an A minus. All right, so he's at 71.4 on the season. So, so that, that would be about a, a, a solid C. He's only allowed one hurry and one pressure, though, on the year, which I think is pretty good. But his pass blocking grade, uh, 65.1. That's what kills him, always is the pass blocking grade. His, his career uh, pass blocking grade has never hit above a 68. So um let me do one well you know mike renner who works at pro football focus and is their draft guy who i talk to a lot he's telling me he's he's a first round pick and i'm like well do your own grades apply to these (laughs) so i mean what was andrew thomas last year okay so this is a good this is a good uh exercise that i like to do it because We've seen a lot of people, people don't believe in the grades as much as, you know, I'm a, a believer, right? I do are, and, and I'm not as much of a believer. Um, but Andrew Thomas last year went, what, top six in the draft? Yeah, Andrew Thomas finished the season with a grade of 92.7. Wow, okay. All right, PFF got that right. <laughs> All right, pull up Isaiah Wilson while you're at it. I can't imagine his would be as good. I wonder no. what his grade is. Has he played at all in the NFL? Didn't he get? Didn't he get COVID? He got COVID. He got arrested. He hasn't played yet. Uh, his grade last year was eighty point four uh, overall, eighty four point six as a right. pass blocker. So it is not very good then, because I mean that's. Isaiah Wilson is a late first rounder. Wasn't expected to be a first rounder. It was on that fringe. Um, so Trey Smith right now would grade out as a second, second rounder. Now that I know we're doing this, because you hit me with that one by surprise, of course, as you always do, I, I got a few names in mind I'll use moving forward just to check though, but I don't look at the PFF stuff that much. Um, and you do. So I think it's very interesting to see that because, you know, we all know uh, there's been offensive linemen who have been named you know, SEC first team or all rookie, you know, freshman, whatever, that had horrible grades. Um, so a lot of it's, I think, a lot of hype out of high school and rather than well, digging. What, what anybody has to like about Trey is, I mean, you see the plays where he just kills people, you know, like right. he just tosses dude or he just smashes guys to the ground. 
Uh, and I think, you know, especially when you have these, uh, these former offensive linemen on Twitter that like to highlight those plays, I think those flash a lot and kind of shape the perception. I, I think he's very good. I'm not saying he's bad, but I do think a little dive into the data is uh, warranted. So well, I'm gonna, I will tell you this, and I did say this on the, on, on the golf quest board. And of course I got annihilated. I said, if Trey ends up as a second round pick, we rated him properly. What do we have him, 50th in the country? Yeah, 49th, I think. And everybody else had him top 32 for sure. And most higher than that, like top 10. So if he comes out and becomes a second round pick, uh, we had him right where he belonged. Right. And, you know, obviously he's had the health issues. I mean, I think you and I both, if he's a first round pick, we'll say congratulations. <laughs> you know, like he's overcome a lot. He has a great personal story. So, I mean, the issue is, I was always down on him because I thought he was a guard. Everyone thought he was a franchise left tackle. I thought he was a guard, and what are these playing guard? You know, so I mean, that's I about the level of competition because the kids he was throwing around in high school were just like, right? No, they weren't great. I think it's staff I can compare them to, like Gorney's. <laughs> yeah, they were. Like, well, that was the part of my reasoning too, and I was suspicious of him was because those guys were sending me their video every week of them beating him around the edge. Uh, we were getting, I was getting like, Hey, I went against Trey Smith and I had a sack or, and I was like, yeah. you look like me, you know? <laughs> so. I'll uh, remember it is the most egregious ranking error in the history of ranking. Oh uh, yeah. Somebody did tell us that. Say that again. I think the word egregious was used. Yeah, I don't know. I just remember the stare of those blue steel eyes uh, staring me to two feet away from my face about how um, uh, of a ranking it was. This is thing then, right? <laughs> We're not going to uh, give up who it was. All right, let's no. move on. We went, we went too far. Now, next segment. I came up with all these segments for you. Oh, uh, great. This is the Mike Farrell, does he know that this five-star is – Playing in the NFL, player of the week. This is good because I, I never know these. I love these. To this week says Tyron Johnson, five-star. Yes, for the Chargers. Yes. <laughs> I was so excited when he caught that touchdown pass that I, I went to his Twitter to make sure that that was the same Tyron Johnson, right? And he, un, he had an unfollowed me, and I was so hurt. Um but I still had that little message box where I could have sent something to him. And I said, you know what, if you're going to follow me, you're, you're dead to me. Well, but I know he caught a long touchdown pass and, and I love that kid out of high school. So yes, I know he's in the NFL and, and he's playing for the Chargers. Here's the thing. This is why I included him. I, I watched the play happen live and it didn't even register in my brain. I was, I just, I was like, who's this Johnson? I, I never heard of that. You know, it didn't even click with me until I saw it on Twitter later. Someone else was like, oh, he's been doing this since high school. And I was like, oh, wait, that's the Tyron Johnson. That's our guy that I loved as a recruit. I mean. Two-time, the only in the history of rivals camps, the only two-time MVP at different camps. It was back-to-back -back days, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, um, I don't, was it back-to-back -back days? It was like Hattiesburg, New Orleans. I don't know if it was. New Orleans was first, and then I think the following week we did Hattiesburg and uh, Birmingham. 
and he drove all the way out to Mississippi. Just he was already, I think, already invited to the five star challenge. He just drove to Mississippi to dominate that. <laughs> and then he was he was hitting me up, what, just a few months ago for high school video. Remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of people, yeah, were bored during the quarantine, wanted to see their video. Right. And I think he unfollowed me during the touchdown catch, actually, because <laughs> we had been talking and we had gotten him some video and stuff and, he, and we tweeted out some video of him in high school and, you know, always a kid that uh, I liked. And then I went and saw, at least he didn't block me though. I'm still well, blocking Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins still. He made his uh, account private at one point too. So I don't, wouldn't take it too personally. If he unfollowed you, he might've done like a, I do though. I take it personally. I know. Believe me, we, we all know that you do, but anyway, good for him. How about that throw by Herbert? Huh? That was 60 he's, yards in the air. He's looking really, really good. So is Allen. I mean, these are the guys that are, you know, projects, first-rounders that are reaches. And and then you got, you know, a bunch of other guys that are first-rounders that are just playing horribly. So it, it's good to see you know, those types. It's going to screw us up because now uh, we're looking for the next six-foot-five mobile quarterback with a cannon arm. <laughs> well, you know, 20 of them are going to suck, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we didn't, you know, Herbert is another story of a guy who was, uh, who was injured, who, you know, just kind of wasn't on our radar at all and committed late. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a, he was a weird story and, you know, we ranked him as a mid three star. And at that time we weren't sure Oregon was hitting on, Oregon had missed on several quarterbacks after Mariota. So we didn't know that he was going to be, the guy but uh all right before we wrap up i'm getting all types of messages on my screen uh let's talk a little recruiting let's talk about amarius mims you uh and chad had an article the making the case came out you're predicting georgia he's supposed to announce when sometime this month yeah so here's what chad did to me or whoever on the editorial side they decided to run a, a making the case with a verdict the weekend he's at tennessee uh, and run at the weekend he's at Tennessee. He's going to Georgia next week, and then he decides the week after that. So, you know, it's between, between me and you, I think it's 50-50 between Georgia and Tennessee. But I chose UGA just because they're the in-state school, and they were the school that was linked with them the longest. But, you know, behind the scenes, he's been to Tennessee numerous times. Um, he's been to Georgia, of course, plenty of times. I'm just guessing because Georgia's going to get the last visit on campus. Um, but then people are saying, well, he's going to watch them play Tennessee or, you know, I, I don't know where he's going. I don't, I, but Chad hit me up and he's like, should I do my Chad? Yeah, do a Chad impression. Right. Uh, Mike, I need, uh, need, I need your work on making a case. Uh, can you shoot me that real quick? We're going to run that this weekend. And then I say to Chad, I'm like, he's not deciding for a couple of weeks. He's still got visits. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. They just got they got on a budget this weekend. We got to push it out. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna pick Georgia. He goes, I said, well, I got two, but it's close, you know. And none of that actually occurred because he just texted me. But I, it's more fun to like imitate Chad uh, vocally. It's much more fun. I think you're talking. I think Chad's a little slow. I think his drawl is a little more. This dry. is Chad, you know. <laughs> on my coffee. This is my hyped up Chad. 
Okay, I'll do a Chad later. I'm not. I'm not going to bust out my Chad now because I didn't have a conversation with him about that. But uh, on the staff that I have a, a, a invitation for, I think everybody has one of me that just involves sounding nasally and cussing a lot, right? I, I mean, have one of you. I do have one of you, like on Twitter. Like you know, I could tweet stuff that you would say, but not voice-wise. I can't do the voice. Okay. Yeah. You do, you know, I really enjoy doing it. I've been doing it for, I don't know, Chad used to work for Rivals in the mid 2000s uh, and then he came back. So I've been doing it for uh, many years now. All right. Uh, okay. Anything else? Yeah, I know you said you wanted to, to vent a little bit. Sometimes gets anything you want to get off your chest about the NFL? Anything else before we wrap up here? Um, no, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm intrigued about Corey Foreman's visit to USC this past weekend and, and what that means because he's been to LSU twice. And after he visited Georgia, we were told it was over. Uh, but him and Mason Smith have become buddies. And I'm just curious if USC can keep him home. As far as a rant, well, all right, I'll, I'll do it. And you're a UCF guy. Okay. But my mentions last week were appalling. Uh, very mean, very mean-spirited. Uh, even our own UCF publisher trolled me. When I, I would have seen that. I would have got in on the action. <laughs> <laughs> when I said that UCF was, you know, a solid team, but they would not beat Florida, and I think it would be a very close game against Miami, and they would roll Florida State. And everybody, all the UCF fans, they came out of the woodwork, as they always do, and they were chirping in my ear, you know, calling me every name of the book, blah, blah, blah. I put up a tweet yesterday saying that I haven't really heard anything from you. Crickets, nothing. Just Gator fans and Miami fans saying, you know, this, that, and the other. But those USCF fans have gone away. And, and I don't miss them, but I'm just like, I had to get that off my chest because they were so mean to me. Well, here's the thing. I'm mean to you. I went to UCF, and I'm very mean to you all the time anyway. So, uh, you know what? They don't like me either. I'm not like that. I don't get invited back to my own alma mater. I don't get invited to speak when they invite the uh, prestigious alums of the Nicholson School of Communication. I don't get – I got a call one time, and I came back there, and, you know, I think I might have made some people mad with some things I said about the student newspaper or whatever. Uh the bottom line is they wouldn't beat Florida. Now, I'm not saying this in hindsight. They make too many mistakes. You can't have 10 false starts every single game and expect to win. They should have easily won that game against Tulsa. They were up 25 to 6. I mean, and they lost. So, uh, or 20, 26 to 5, am I? Whatever the score was. It was a weird so score. Oh, Huh? They had so many people opt out. Don't forget. Yeah, they lost. Well, yeah, that's the thing. They had 12 people opt out. And I keep hearing on other podcasts, oh, none of them are contributors. Where two of them are going to be drafted. So, I mean, do one second of research and look at the players that opted out before you say they didn't. If you lose 12 scholarship players, you're talking about you have 85. You know what I mean? You're talking about 15% of your roster is gone. So anybody gets hurt, you're shorthanded. And when Trey Nixon got hurt against Georgia Tech, their offense kind of sputtered around. So, I mean, Tulsa's got their number for whatever reason. I think Tulsa's beat them eight of nine. Uh, well, they lost to a reputable 
group of five team, then I wouldn't have made this uh, a thing. But I mean, they lost to Tulsa. That's just not good. You can't you can't beat your chest and say you're the best team in the state of Florida and then lose to Tulsa the next week. You just can't. I'm sorry. So it's not my fault you lost. I wasn't playing on the other team. I wasn't coaching. I wasn't even rooting against you. But, man, they, they are a great fan base that just comes out of the woodwork when you say something. Well, it's kind of like, and I mean, I get, I guess I get where they're coming from, is it's like, you know, it's like an inferiority complex situation where, you know, and I personally liked what they did with, the national championship game thing because it put their name on everybody's radar. A lot of it was tongue in cheek. Some people take exception to it and people say it to me all the time. Oh, national chips. <laughs> it's like, yo, guess what? You know, like your school hasn't won 10 games in my lifetime. Okay. UCF's been to like four new year's day bowls in the last decade. So, I mean, they must be doing something right. I would have to, I, I have to imagine. <laughs> They're good, but I had to mention that. So why, why don't we make that the uh, fan base troll of the week? Okay. It was just they were trolling the hell out of me and calling me everything. I had my, I had my UCF graduation tassel back here somewhere. I must have I lost it. I don't know where it is. I should have I should have dangled it out for that. But uh, and my camera will be more eye level, and I won't be propping it against my monitor with a. Bag, hefty bags. Didn't you buy one of these lights I told you to buy? Yeah, it's right there. Am I too dark? Well, no, it has a mount for your phone that goes right in the middle and you can adjust no. it. No, the one they gave me, no mount. They sent me the cheapest. I mean, this microphone I have is horrible. No, this but light horrible. I, I told you to buy a, Did you buy the new light I told you to buy? No, I said okay. right. not buy it because this is ridiculous. I, I've been holding this trash bag thing up for okay. 40 here here's the last thing i want to talk about before we go this is not football related now i know you don't get out much mike <laughs> not even during non-pandemic times you don't leave but you have never. you gone anywhere to okay a lot of these places switch to the square method it means they use the ipad they flip it around you touch it you sign it well now that we have you know covid19 we're not doing that right so the last few times I've been to like a coffee shop, normally they would flip it around and do it to you, but you're six feet away. They say, do you want to leave a tip? And I was at a place the other day, I got two coffees, it was like $12. And he's like, do you want to leave a tip? I've got my mask on. And I was like, yeah, sure. And, uh, how much? Well, $2. And he's like, I can't hear you. And I'm like, $2, you know? So I'm sitting here yelling, I have to yell the tip amount I want to give to the dude. There's people around. It's a total nightmare. Have you experienced this? No, I will tell you since March, this is no lie. I have been inside three buildings with other human beings. Three. So you're not going to the grocery store or stuff like that? Instacart. All the way. Instacart all the way. A little plug for them. Um, drive through everything, coffee wise. I've been to the doctors a couple times and they wouldn't, you know, do uh, a phone one because they had to actually physically look at me. And uh, the other exception was I had to send our taxes. I forgot our taxes and I had to go into the post office and have it stamped for that day in July because it would have been late and I would have got a penalty. 
So other than that, I am outside enjoying the fresh air. But the the does Mike Farrell use this technology? That's a good weekly one too, because I don't know what Square is. Um, <laughs> anything on the phone? Oh, oh shucks, man! I I just I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. No, I I don't. I don't do any of that stuff. So um, I did get in Dunkin' Donuts line last week to get my two extra large pumpkin spice, uh, heavy on the cream, and they charged it to the, the woman in front of me who was a very angry, angry old woman. And she would refuse to leave the drive-in line for 25 minutes until they refunded them. So I sat there and she wouldn't even buy the coffees for me, you know, like pay it forward. Um, so I haven't been back to Dunkin' Donuts since then. Well, that's her fault. That's not Duncan's fault. By the way, you got to get, I, I, we talked about it offline. You got to get that Duncan app rolling, get those free. Uh, okay. I do have it. And then the, the method of payment stopped working and I haven't been able to figure it out since. Okay. Well, we need to work on that in our spare time, but anyway, all right, that wraps it up. Mike, we'll be back next week on Sunday or Monday or Monday or Tuesday, depending on our availability. But uh, every week throughout the season, you can hear me and Mike on our various podcast feeds. So please subscribe and leave a review either on Godfather and Gorney or on the commitment issues. And you and Gorney will have a show probably later in the week, right? Yeah. If we can figure it out between the two of us, we're going to try to figure out how to uh, record the zoom. Um, and by the two of us, I mean me because Gorney is less technically advanced than I am. Like this was a guy who was literally faxing in his receipts to a number without filling an expense report for like a year. I forgot about that. Oh, that was the thing he was doing. He's like, I'm faxing in the receipts. I'm like, did you fill out the expense report? No. Shouldn't they know my name's on the receipts? I'm like, oh my. I just picture this pile as high as Gorney in some <laughs> Sunnyvale office with all these receipts coming out of it with no expense reports. That was, so I got to figure out how to record Zoom because Gorney's not going to help. Yeah, because we want you want to be able to watch on YouTube uh, as well, which I'm working on uh, doing books and stuff with my right arm as yeah. it's blocked right now. And okay, and uh, hey, on commitment issues feed, I did interview our boy Kirk from Florida Shore. Uh, I, like, I like him. Yeah, to preview uh, Miami and Clemson. So he actually did. He really knew what he was talking about. I mean, sometimes you get these celeb fans on, and they don't. He was dropping Rhett Lashley and. He, he was dropping deep cuts, so. Well, he's, not an, uh, he's also not an ass. When I put up something about, you know, Pitts being the number one tight end in the country, you know, a lot of Miami fans just berated me because their six foot one and a half inch tight end is the best tight end in the NFL draft. Um, he was like, nah, I get it. Pitts is really good, but Breon, Breon's good too. And I agree with him, but he wasn't like these other guys who just come at me and like, you're an idiot. You're stupid. You suck. Um, so I like him, and he's right. one of my uh, one of my followers who has the most following. So I got to be nice to him. That's right. So check that out later in the week. All right, Mike. Thanks a lot. I'll talk to you later. See ya.